Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today we look at Acts chapter 8. We also continue the series on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about two manifestations, that of deep inner cleansing. And also, for want of a better word, I can find another term for it, simply looking out for the interests of others. In this passage, then, we will see two themes. The first of a need for the Holy Spirit to cleanse us, not superficially, but cleanse us from deep within. The second, then, is how the, how the disciples, how the believers cared more for the interests of others than for themselves. And in the process, they brought much joy to people, and they themselves experienced much joy despite the dire circumstances. Let's look at the passage now. Let us pray. Father, we ask that even as we have our daily devotions, that it will not be just to tickle our ears, but that you will work deeply in our hearts. For God, we are superficial people. Often we hear your word and we feel excited about it and then we forget. But your word was meant to cut deep into our hearts like a two-edged sword. We pray then that even as we listen or as we read your word, that your word will take root deep in our hearts, cleansing, taking out all that is unclean and all that is sinful, that we may indeed be purified by you, by your word, by your Holy Spirit, by our allowing you to work in us. Speak now as we read your word and meditate on it. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 8 and Paul and Saul approved of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered were about pre- went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, seeing that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. 
Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he op opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about somebody else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, he came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Exotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all of the towns, until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right after the execution of Stephen, a pogrom took place. It says in verse 1, There arose on the day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. Before the execution of Stephen, the Jews were perhaps silently resentful, of the Christians. But suddenly, after Stephen was killed, it was almost like a trigger 
that once they had done that act, nothing could stop them anymore. And the, the, and the great persecution against church, the church took place. Saul was the leader, but he wasn't the only one because suddenly everyone seemed to be emboldened to attack the Christians. The Jews were actually against the Romans, more of hoping and looking for a saviour, looking for a messiah to lead them against the Romans. And yet because they could not fight the Romans and defeat the Romans, they turned their anger towards the Christians. The Christians were just a small sect of harmless, helpless people. They were not armed, they were not rich, they were not powerful at all. In fact, their leaders as the uh, elders of the of the synagogue, of the temple had noted they were simple, uneducated people. And so Christians were like the lowest in the rung. And yet suddenly the Jews unleashed all the anger and hostility against the Christians. Prior to the execution of Stephen, there was an uneasy peace. The Jews didn't like the Christians, but still many of them got converted as they saw the miracles and heard the preaching. But suddenly then there was a turnaround and the Jews began to attack those who had converted to Christianity. Reminds me of how fragile our peace, how fragile just living in peace can be. And we must not think that this is just a problem with wicked Jews as Sometimes we say, even in Hitler's time, it was the Jews who killed the Christians, it was the Jews who killed Christ. There is no need to blame the Jews. For in fact, Christians are no better and often worse than what the Jews did at that time. Christians are known for the Crusades, even for the Holocaust. The official German church was behind Hitler. It was Christians also responsible for slavery. Christians are responsible for the colonization of many countries and many continents in the world. Even today, Christians are responsible for racism, for oppression of the poor. And so lest we think that these are people of a different religion, Christians are no different. Unless... Christians allow God to look deep into our hearts, to do inner transformation, to cleanse us from within. We are no better than anyone else, and often we are far worse than most. And often then, our righteousness is surface deep. What lurks under that surface of peaceability under that surface of goodness, under that surface of friendship and worship, maybe a heart that is hardened, that is festering with sin and violence. I stayed in, I, I, my family and I lived in Kentucky for two years, and we made friends with some of the residents there, and there was a family that we particularly drew close to, even twice when we went back for holiday, we stayed in the house. And yet, when Trump came to power, we discovered a big shift in our dynamics, big shift in them also. Suddenly, this family that we love so much, 
became anti anti vaxxers anti uh, they became covid deniers they became racist basically also and as we used to contact each other even as we had parted Jeannie would write to them would call them on occasions like their birthdays and our birthday birthdays but one day as uh, one of them wrote one of the family members wrote to us about how they were being deceived by the co about the COVID. Jeannie wrote back and told them, please be careful because COVID is real. That was like the end of our friendship altogether. It was just a simple statement that COVID is not a lie. And suddenly we lost a family that had been very close to us. But I wouldn't say then that the ill feeling came only from that family because I discovered my sudden disdain for this family too as I thought these people are champions and they're stupid and all sorts of demeaning terms began to fester in my mind about them. And then I realised that it wasn't just Trump who had done this. Trump had spoken the unspeakable. He had raised racism as something that nobody else dared to talk about. Not as a problem, but as something that was good. Trump simply was the catalyst to something that was festering deep in our hearts already that God had, we had not allowed God to deal with. A friend of mine living in Kentucky as well commented to, we knew this family too, they were mutual friends, commented too on how people who had been friendly to Asians suddenly became cold and rather distant to us because of our race. These feelings were stirred up no doubt by Trump and by sectors of the population. And yet they could only be stirred up because deep inside something had not healed, something had not been cleaned away. And I think then of our prejudices as well. I think too of our violence and our resentment and all the sin that lurks just beneath the surface. How often we think of we as Chinese, or at least I'm speaking as a Chinese, Think of other races like Indians in a certain way that is not kind. We think of Malays in another way that's unkind. We even think of Chinese from China in certain ways that are unkind. These thoughts linger just beneath the surface. On the surface, on good days, we could talk to each other, we could embrace each other. But can, let's be very careful that as we examine our hearts, that perhaps the sin is lurking there. But it's not even just about racism. It's also about the feelings inside us, resentment against our spouses, resentment against our parents, resentment against others. They are all lurking just beneath the su surface. Outwardly, as Christians, then we may look like the most peaceable, loving, spiritual, holy people. But unless we allow God the Holy Spirit to go deep into us, into the source, the cause and the root of our lives. These sins will just linger at the surface and that any trigger will surface and show us for who we are. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 to 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, 
which looked beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. It is something that we need very much to let the Holy Spirit work on us. If we only look at the surface of how friendly and how nice and polite we are, then we have not dealt with the inner part of us. We look at another example of this. Simon, Simon, who was a sorcerer, who was well-known and very popular and clearly making a lot of money from all the magic that he was doing. In verse 10, it says that everyone paid attention to him from the least to the greatest. This man is the power of God that is called great. And then suddenly, the attention was diverted away from him to a simple refugee, Christian refugee called Philip. Because when Philip came on the scene, he took, he did all the miracles and took the popularity away from Simon. Even so, in verse 13 it says, Simon himself believed. And then as the apostles came from Jerusalem to baptize people in Samaria in the Holy Spirit, as Simon saw the Holy Spirit descending on the believers, he asked for that power also. And he offered Peter and John a sum of money to give him the power. So that, in verse 19, it says, Anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter answered Simon. And he told Simon that he would perish with his money. And then he said, You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. What was wrong? In verse 23, Peter then said, For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Simon, who had become a Christian, and yet a Christian who had not been cleansed deep within by the Holy Spirit. What he wanted then was to buy from Peter and John the power to anoint others with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps he wanted that to compete with Philip, because what we see here that Peter was saying to him, you have the gall of bitterness. Perhaps Simon was bitter against Philip for having taken away his power, his popularity. Perhaps he was angry also that he was now no longer earning a lot of money from the magic that he was doing. Beneath that conversion, of becoming a Christian, there lurked inside him bitterness and iniquity. We just think also of this connection between money and the power of God. These days it seems almost normal, almost acceptable, that churches with great power, charismatic Pentecostal churches, make a lot of money also. And it reminds us then that this was the original sin of the Pentecostal movement, that at the point when the Holy Spirit was poured upon people, Someone like like Simon associated power with money. And these days we see it all the time and we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we always dissociate the power of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, from our love for money. I remember when this wave of revival, the Pentecostal movement took place, 
One of the places that it took place was, was Azusa Street in 1906, when the Holy Spirit came and the great revival came upon a small group of people that lasted three years and transformed the lives of thousands upon thousands. It took place in a little small shop house in a very impoverished place in California. That building was had no seats, it had benches from just planks, it had uh, collapsed the roof, and it was a tiny place of 50. And yet recorders say that at any one time, thousand, about 1,005 people would try to cram into this tiny building. And over the span of three years every day, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people came. Several remarkable things. People of all races came. The Blacks, Hispanics, the Asians, women crowded into this place. And there was no sense that of inequality that one would be better than the other. This was remarkable because this was in the height of the Jim Crow era of racial segregation, where the whites would be very separate from the coloreds and the blacks. Yet at Azusa Street, everyone came together because they were moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the love of God. But the other very remarkable thing was that there was no offering taken at these meetings. There was a little box in the, in the, in the building <clears throat> that allowed anyone who wanted to support this movement to contribute to it. But there was a very clear <clears throat> disinterest in raising money from the tens of thousands of people who flocked to this place. The movement of the Holy Spirit must be dissociated from our love, from our wanting of money. And that's one lesson. But the deeper lesson to this is that Christians are very susceptible to deep hatred, lust, discrimination, prejudice, and that we need to allow God to cleanse us from within. Unless we allow God to do this work in us, we will be superficial and be like whitewashed tombs, always ready to explode when ignited to sin. The Holy Spirit <clears throat> comes to do a deep inner healing in us. One of the things then that we need to do is that we must not read the scriptures <clears throat> just flippantly and superficially. But rather, what is more important than spending time reading the scriptures is that we spend time to allow God to cleanse us, to search our hearts. Self-examination, being still before God and saying to God, God, look at my life and tell me the areas that need to be changed. And then God, by your power, transform my life. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now the second thing <clears throat> that this story highlights is the exuberance, the joy, and more than that, the willingness to look beyond their own circumstances and to look into <clears throat> excuse me, the welfare of others. It says that in verse 4, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 
Huh, that's a very, very strange thing to say. Something's not right. These were refugees. These were people who were hunted down. <clears throat> they were being dragged for trial and execution. They were persecuted. And as they ran from Jerusalem, they probably carried barely anything. They just scattered themselves into the various places in Judea and Samaria. But from this account, it seems almost like they were just missionaries that had gone out to preach the word. These were refugees who were going through a very painful time of their lives. And they did not at all look like that. Instead, they looked like people who were out there doing good, caring for others, sent out from a prosperous church, from a flourishing church perhaps, just to be missionaries to spread the word to others. It says, it gives the example of Philip. Now, Philip wasn't one of those very special, spectacular people. He was probably just an example of one man, one of those refugees. How do we know that? Because when Philip preached and prayed for people, it says that the Holy Spirit had not been given to these people. So first of all, he wasn't an apostle. Second of all, he wasn't a man with great, greater powers. He was an ordinary person. And so Peter, Philip was just an example of one of these refugees who went about as someone running from his home, from persecution at home. And he was a great missionary. It says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. People came and listened to him in one accord as they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8, So there was much joy in that city. Just one refugee. One refugee going out and looking into the interests and the welfare of the people in that city. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Those who were demon-possessed had demons cast out. Philip was one of those refugees facing a very hard time. But he was like a gift to the city of Jerusalem, giving them much joy. I wonder about us in our circumstances. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, do we allow the Holy Spirit then to use us in ways that will bless others? We see further that Philip was an obedient man to the Holy Spirit. One day the Holy Spirit just got him, told him, go and find, go to a desert and find this guy this, and preach the gospel. As he rose and went to Jerusalem to a desert, he saw an Ethiopian eunuch. And he ran alongside, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he ran alongside the chariot and then asked the eunuch, Hey, what can I do for you? Do you know what you're reading? And then he went and he shared, he explained to the eunuch what he was reading. Miraculously, as they were riding, they saw a pool of water in the desert. And the eunuch asked to be baptized. Philip availed himself to the Holy Spirit, allowed the Holy Spirit to use him wherever he went. Some of the mo people in the most dire places, 
have become lights, have become missionaries in these dire places. For the years that I worked in death row in the prison, I saw these people who had been transformed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to be executed, but they were not thinking for themselves. They did not think of the terror, the horror of an execution. Rather, they looked around, they looked at the guards, they looked at the families, they looked at the other prisoners, and when they saw needs, they allowed <coughs> the Holy Spirit to use them to minister in powerful ways. COVID-19 may have hurt us in many ways. Our circumstances may also have hurt us in many ways. But will we then allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us and make us a blessing in our circumstances? Will we see that we were placed in our circumstances not by the wickedness of others, not by the misfortunes of our lives, but as a way of God sending us to places that may be God-forsaken, sending us to circumstances they may be dire, that need the light of Christ in them. We need to think deeply about this and look at our circumstances that we are in. Perhaps it's we've been placed where neighbours are hostile, we've gone into a company where nobody is a Christian or people are just unfriendly or even a toxic organisation. Was this our misfortune? Was this the work of bad people? Yes to these two. And yet the third consideration, was this the way that God brings us the light of his love to a place that is toxic, a place that is hostile, the place that is godless, that God may use us to bring much joy to places where he brings us. Samaria was considered a godless place. Running from your enemies, from your home, from Jerusalem, was a terrible circumstance. Philip and the other Christian refugees saw themselves as sent by God to do mighty works and to bring great joy to their places. Shall we pray? Father, as we look at ourselves, as I look at my skin-deep righteousness, my skin-deep goodness, my skin-deep holiness, Father, we need deeper cleansing from you. Because just lurking beneath the surface of our goodness and holiness are wicked thoughts, unclean thoughts, violent thoughts, hateful thoughts, thoughts that are prejudiced and unfair and unjust to others. And these thoughts of our hearts are so close to the surface, just ready to come forth and be manifested in evil the moment there is a trigger. And Father, we plead with you, do not let us live superficially anymore but cleanse us from deep within. Root out the prejudice, the racism, the wickedness, the lust, the resentment. Root out 
the iniquity from within us, that we may be truly transformed from the inside, not just Christians in name, Christians on the surface, but that way we may be the product, the fruit of your goodness. Father, we turn to you, the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We acknowledge that we can try to be good, but all our trying will only make cosmetic surface changes. We need you to work deep within us. But Father, we pray too that you begin to turn our eyes away from ourselves and our circumstances and more to the people that you send us to. Help us, Lord, not to look so much at our suffering, but that we may see the people around us where you have placed us, that we may also be like Philip who brings great joy both to the eunuch as well as to the inhabitants of Samaria. We may be bringers of your joy to people. For we know, Lord, that even as you send us forth, sometimes in the most dire of circumstances, you equip us with power to minister as well. We pray then, Lord, transform our outlooks, turn our eyes away from ourselves and turn us to you, the source of joy, and turn us to the people that you send us to, that we may bring your joy to them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks once again, and we see you on Sunday if service is still on. Otherwise, join us online. Thank you, God bless, and goodbye.